0: Hi everyone, Charlie Webster here. Thanks for joining us for My Sporting Mind, the podcast that's all about mindset and mental health in sport and life. This is the last episode of season two, which has been proudly supported by sportinglife.com, ahead of the rest with 160 years of sporting knowledge and integrity. Before we get started, I just want to say a massive thanks to you all for listening. We really do appreciate your comments and shares on social media, so please keep them coming. And today, I'm really excited to welcome the Wales forward Thomas Hal Robson-Carnou to the podcast. Um, Hi Charlie,
1: thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for coming on. Um, it's been a really tough season for you, experiencing relegation from the Premier League of West Brom. It must have been difficult. How does that impact you? What's it like for you personally?
1: Yeah, it's um, it's not a nice feeling. Like it's uh, you know your feet, you're you're finishing in the the bottom three sort of positions of the league. So ultimately, you can't really say you've had a successful season when you've been relegated, regardless of you know what you've done, you know your level of performance, what you know what goals you've scored. Because ultimately, it's a it's a team game. Um, you know, fortunately, you know for me, you are being relegated from the top league in the world. So. Psychologically, you know, we're talking sort of mentality. Like, you immediately have to pull the positives out of it that you're at that level. You know, you're, you're there's 20 teams in the UK who can play in the top league in the world. So it's like the, the positives are: is that you know you've you've whether it's you've gained that experience, you know, you've competed at that level, you've you know shown that you can perform at that level. So really, it's just you very it, it, like what from my personal experience, you just have to. You know dust yourself down as quickly as possible and be ready to to get back into that position again
0: are you somebody who finds it easy to to see the positives and and dust yourself off
1: yeah i think you know don't don't get me wrong like it 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 certainly hurts inside like it's um you know it's painful and you know one i think any anyone who plays in the in the professional game is you have to be a winner because regardless of becoming becoming a a, a footballer, just a footballer, you know, professional footballer, like it's it's a stat that it's harder to become a professional footballer than it is to get into Oxford or Cambridge based on the numbers, you know, and based on the competitive nature that when you're a kid, every single boy wants to become a footballer, you know. So, you know, apart from from the anomaly, you know, pretty much every kid will at some point, you know, in their childhood want to become a footballer and, and be inspired to do so. So I think always bearing that in mind i think gives you a level of grounding and you you end up not getting carried away but with the highs and with the lows because it's like that's the biggest thing and you know the 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 biggest thing that i've ever you know sort of the most impactful thing that i've learned is to, to not get too carried away with the highs and not get too carried away with the lows and i think in this case, we're, you know, obviously in the low, you know, haven't been relegated, but you you need to not get carried away of it and actually, you know, try and centre yourself. And, and as you said, you know, look, look at the positives.
0: I was going to ask what you've learned over a period of time, especially psychologically, because I'm glad that you mentioned the very small percentage of athletes that become professional sports you know, players never mind in football is so, so minor. And then it's really interesting because there's so much studies on how the mind works of a professional athlete and how there's similarities across the core where it's that almost like one track mind. Is there anything you've, you do particularly that helps you ground yourself? Because I can imagine that's very hard, especially at a younger age when so much depends on it. And there's a lot of outside criticism going on as well and outside noise
1: Mm. yeah i think it's like understanding what your motivation is and then learning very quickly to compete with yourself so what i mean by that is like you don't use someone else as a metric for your success so you don't say oh he's he's done this so i should be doing this so you never do that you actually just say i am here if you want to go from a to b that's no problem at all. You know, you want to get from where you are to, to where you want to be, but you have to realize that it's fundamentally and solely down to you. So when you have that, so when you have that mentality where you, you know, where you then, you know, sort of compete against yourself, I think that's the the key to, you know, to to really um, to making sure you you almost live a, like like a balanced lifestyle to a degree, like where you're not, you know, getting caught up with every because it's so easy to get caught up with everything in life you know everyone's struggling at some point and in some stage and everyone has ambitions of where they want to get to and it's like you know all the time it's almost like what's next so it's like oh if i had this i would be there you know if i had this i would feel a certain way but when you get there you're gonna want something else and you're gonna want something else so if you have that it's fine to have a driven mentality, but you need to know that that doesn't define you, Mm. if that makes sense. And I think when you sort of live within that space, I think that's where you really find, you know, what I'd call like, you know, grounded space, you know, grounded being. And like, you don't, like no one, you're not competing with anyone. You're not, you know, there's no, you know, you don't have an ego to try and like, you know, to, to say, oh, I've done this and I've done that. It's actually just, you know, I'm on my journey, and I'm, you know, enjoying the journey that I'm on. And so, you know, we're going to go through, you know, ups and downs, and we're going to experience, you know, um, events and along with that journey. But ultimately, life is is a journey. So, yeah, I think that's that's sort of where where I sort of sit.
0: How real is that? As well, is that like comparison thing? I was just like nodding my head when you were talking, mm. and also that that constant need for achievement and then you achieve it and then it's like I'm so bad for that I'll have a day and then I'll just be like what's next and I find it's so hard sometimes in my brain to just be like okay calm down calm down so what is your motivation then what is it the thing that drives you
1: um yeah I think like to be fair I just want to give the best that I can give and that's in whatever it is so it's like you know whether it's football or whether it's business or whether it's my family like I just want to give the best that I can give and it's you know sometimes that might not be good enough for the ones be you know judging or the ones you know or the people around me but as long as I know I've given my best like that's really what what motivates me and so you know whether it's Get into training and, you know, being fully focused and, you know, preparing right, going through my routine and then on the training pitch, you know, giving my all. And I think that's something I really enjoy, like coming off the training pitch, knowing that I've given absolutely everything that I can on that day. And I think, you know, any coach or manager who's, you know, you, you'd speak about who's tra- like worked with me, you know, would say that that's just in my characteristic. It's just like built in me. And so I've sort of taken that, into other areas so you know whether it's you know business with the tournament co you know i do that i have that same mentality so when i'm in work mode like i'm in work mode i'm giving my all you know i'm fully focused on it and then you know obviously then you know w- with my family it's it's nice to then be able to switch off and be with them and, and you know and, and be present with them and so um yeah i think uh i think that's that's what you know sort of motivates me and so wherever that sits like I'm, I'm always just trying to trying to do that so
0: right you've mentioned the turmeric co so let's talk about that a little bit because um just before we started recording we were just chatting about where we lived right and you said that you um tra- when you're traveling to training you that's your time right so is that when you work on your business and I'm so intrigued by this because I actually do these turmeric and ginger and lemon shots that I make myself and I started doing them because I spent some time in India and every morning that's what they'd that's what they'd give us and then there was an alternative one I think another day which I can't remember what it was and then I was sort of making my mom do it and then I started making my friend do it and we all do those shots and we make our own where did it come from for you then
1: Mm, that's fascinating yeah so um
0: am I doing the right so, thing
1: <laughs> yeah well yeah yeah oh, well, well we'll find out how you're actually you know extracting it but it's um and what form of turmeric you're using it, it could, so is it powder or is it the roots
0: um it depends So, I've got the powder in my cupboard so that's why I use the majority of the time but when I when I can be oh no oh no like that <laughs> a, um, but when I can find it I do have like a little green grocers that does the turmeric root and so then I get the root when like I'm around and I've got time and I can catch the grocers
1: yeah so to give it so with the turmeric we're shipping in around five tons of turmeric each month so a turmeric root each month sorry so whether it's the, so yeah, the root is what you need, basically. Nice. Um, but it's, um, but yeah, so.
0: Lesson is get the root, not yeah, the
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, but, um, but no, so the turmeric co so I founded it in 2018. And at that point in time, I had been using these shots for over a decade. And these shots are the reason why, you know, I've effectively had the career that I've had. So when I was uh, 17, I suffered a cruciate knee ligament injury and required reconstructive surgery. So was out of the game for, you know, 12 months, came back, suffered the same injury again. And after the second injury, the surgeon said to my dad that I should, you know, really begin looking at a different career path yeah. because I would never play without pain and restriction again. And being young and, you know, really determined to, to have a career, like I was like, no, like I'll come back, you know, it won't be an issue so anyway went through the rehabilitation the second time round surgery second time round and got back um training and i just couldn't play without you know pain or restriction i was just constantly hampered by it so you know every time i'd warm up you know train i couldn't like you know sprint i couldn't change direction after training my knee would just swell up and i began having um the doctors at the time i was at reading and um, they began prescribing me anti-inflammatory so i as a 80s, 18 year old now began popping these anti-inflammatory drugs like Smarties to try and like oh, that's you know, so
0: common in sport as well
1: isn't it so common and it's particularly good. like you know with yeah. we're, we're talking a decade and a half ago so it was like back then it was just even you know it would be, yeah we, we've come a long way since then but it's still apparent in today's you know what you know um uh, sports and so anyway, I began having these anti-inflammatory drugs like smarties and within a few weeks my body just reacted to them. So I started passing blood in my urine, I couldn't sleep, um you know, would would uh, vomit, you know, after training. And so I had to stop taking these drugs which had taken the edge off the pain that I was feeling. That didn't you know, it certainly didn't um resolve it or I would have to play with this, you know, this pain and pain and restriction constantly. So I remember it was um you know just played a reserve game had come home like literally couldn't played it like 30% of what I could knew I could play at because of my you know physical condition and went to walk up the stairs and the pain in my knee I just couldn't literally walk up the stairs and I just broke down in tears and my dad was at the house at the, at the at the time and we were just like there must be a natural way that you know ca- that we can basically I can recover from you know the pain that I'm experiencing so next few weeks we just went on like a research binge and we just went you know looked at all different like natural ways of like treating pain inflammation swelling and you know um looked at various like you know documents i remember we got you know we got um an archive document on spices you know medicinal spices from the local library and it come from china you know so eastern medicine and um, eventually like we began seeing these patterns and it spoke about pineapple, pomegranate, watermelon, ginger, and then subsequently turmeric. And it was like the, the patterns just kept occurring. So it was like, okay, well then these are the best ingredients for me to really recover from. And um, so, you know, we basically had to get it into a format that I could consume. So again, we you know, looked into it. My dad then began buying all of these natural ingredients. We realized very quickly that it was the raw root that we needed and not like the spices and the you know what what we would traditionally use is like the herbs for tasting you know that you'd cook with we needed it in its raw its format so you know eventually got these ingredients together my dad just began like con- concocting this liquid form of these ingredients combined and you know after yeah probably over 100 attempts of, of making it we eventually got to something where i was like okay yeah this is you know firstly edible um but secondly that you know i could have on a consistent basis and i remember the first time i you know drank it, it was like pff, wow really not my you know not my socks off i was like you know that is strong and potent and being a teenager at the time my body was just naturally nutrient deficient because of my diet. Like I lived on pasta, chicken and beans. Like I didn't go out outside of that. Cause when you're young, you know, you just think po- protein, carbohydrates, et cetera. Yeah. So my body was nutrient deficient. So, you know, consuming this, you know, shot with so many functional ingredients in their raw form, it really, you know, uh, I could really feel the effect, you know, almost immediately. And so I literally had these shots. So I had two or three of these small little liquors. We, we had them in just little glasses at the time, and I had them. You know, my dad would make them every few days, and I'd drink them. And within six weeks, you know, it was you know probably around you know, five five weeks and five days. I literally remember wo- I woke up, was getting ready for you know it was training day. Walked into the bathroom, went into the shower, turned the shower, and I was in the shower, and I just literally like had a light bulb moment it was like the first time in two and a half years I'd woken up without pain or restriction in my knee and it was like it just blew my mind because it as a young teenager I had no concept of the impact that nutrition had on your body or your physical health and so it literally was a light bulb moment for me and um and yeah and so since that moment like i've i've had these shots you know pretty much every single day and within a year you know i'd made my first team debut a year after that i made my international debut a year after that i made my premier league debut and really without the range like i re- literally wouldn't you know wouldn't have had the career that i've had and so But as we've gone through time, you know, being sort of in my 20s, I began, my teammates began seeing it. And so I'd give them to my teammates. Then family and friends would have them. We'd be giving them to family and friends. And, you know, by the time we decided to launch it as a, you know, brand, we were making, you know, hundreds of these little shots a week and just giving them out to people because people were relying on them. And what we realized were that people were using them for, various different health reasons so it was like you know whether it was pain or it was inflammation whether it was that you know to boost their overall health or well-being you know whether it was to boost their energy and everyone around us was just like you know just addicted to this natural shot and so yeah we decided to launch it because I saw a you know health shot which claimed to be turmeric but actually was like one percent turmeric powder and then like 98 percent apple juice I saw it on the shelf in Harrods they you know, charge sort
0: of in, about a fiver for it or something. yeah
1: exactly <laughs> so I saw it in the shelf you know sort of 2016-17 two, saw it didn't really look at the ingredients I was like yeah turmeric shot amazing like we don't have to make it anymore finally someone you know a, bre- a company's clocked on so bought a load took them home went to drink it and literally had to spit it out couldn't believe how inferior it was to what we were making And um, and then yeah so launched in 2018 and Within a few months, we were, you know, stocked in the likes of Whole Foods, Planet Organic. You know, we were supplying England Rugby National Team with the range. You know, we built the business as like a, you know, a, what they call a digitally native vertical brand. So it's like, ideally, we want to send the product directly to you and build that relationship with you and follow you through your journey as a customer of ours. And, you know, we're now, you know, distributing hundreds of thousands of our, you know, shops on a monthly basis, you know. we tens of thousands of people are using our product on a, on a daily basis and you know we've got you know over 10,000 you know positive customer reviews just talking about the impact that the range has had on their health and well-being. and so yeah it's um, it's real it's great to, to to be sort of you know the founder of, of the company and you know so involved in you know building the the business and the brand and, and the team you know um, alongside obviously you know being a, a professional athlete.
0: It's such a testimony as well that you just said, the fact that you accredit a lot of your career and being able to play like you have done on something so natural. I I just want to go back a little bit because I just think when you were talking about, well, firstly, your dad's amazing (laughs) that he Mm -hmm. worked with you to do that. But when you were talking about that you not being able to play without pain and being in that situation at such a young age and you said that you were just still determined and when the doctor said to you you might have to think about a different career you were like no how hard was that for you mentally?
1: It was tough and like yeah no one everyone just sees you know the end result right it's always the case because then they see you know international player premier league player you know but no one sees you know during that period of my first injury to that moment where you know I realized that I didn't have to play with pain again like I literally broke down in tears, was crying, you know, crying in my bed, you know, dozens upon dozens of times, you know, fear of not actually being able to achieve something I desperately wanted, like riddled me throughout that period. But I was, but coupled with that, I had a steely determination where at the end of every single, you know, time I was feeling like I had that insecurity and that fear. I would then try my best to match it with a thought of, you know, just utter determination, like, no, well, that cannot, like, of course that might happen, but I will equally give as much as I can for it not to happen. And for me to have, you know, to, to, to actually achieve what I want to achieve. And so, but no one will see that. And, you know, the tears and like, even like after the first, after the first injury, when I had the second injury like I had, you had to go to like through like two or three operations. So, so you have to be, you know, go, go into, you know, general anaesthetic two or three times where they'll do like an arthroscopy, then they'll do, you know, the reconstruction of surgery, then they'll, you know, have a, uh, you know, another, potentially another arthroscopy if there's, you know, issues. So you're going through these, you know, surgeries and each one is an ordeal. You're going into hospital, you know, you're going, you know, you're, you're going under general anaesthetic and after the second operation, my wound got infected and like I, and I had like a severe, like literally like viral symptoms where I was like, literally like my temperature was through the roof. Like I was pale, you know, my, there was, um, you know, pus seeping out of the wound of my knee. And it's like, no one, no one sees that. And to experience that, you know, and the tears and the fear, but looking back now, because I was able to you know it, uh, I was just so determined to like come through it like i I was able to build up like you know not not really i don't want to describe it as like a you know a steely de- de- determination but I just it, it, it taught me about my mind you know and the power of of the mind and it's like you can really overcome situations and scenarios if you can think about what you're thinking about and understand how and why you feel a certain way right and what that means is like okay I'm feeling fear now okay so why am I feeling fear I'm feeling fear because I may not achieve my dreams okay well then is that is that a possibility yes it is It, it could be a possibility like but is me feeling this way at this moment in time going to have any direct impact on the outcome of that event? Well, no, it's not. So do I need to feel this way? Mm. Well, no, you don't. So you can actually be happy in times of fear or in times of insecurity. And that's like, it taught me, like taught me about the mind, like really like, and, you know, I did a lot of deep and internal, you know, and thinking, and I've, you know, read a lot of books around, you know, sort of mentality and your approach to, you know, to overcoming situations and understanding, you know, trying to understand yourself because you're always on the journey, you're always developing, you're always growing. And so, yeah, I think looking back, it, I'm grateful for that experience for so many reasons, you know, not only because it led me to, found, you know, founding the Termit Company, which is now helping hundreds of others, of thousands of people, but actually because of the individual human that, you know, it helped me turn into. So
0: It's interesting the patterns of um, behavior because a, a psychologist I worked with taught similar where it was like, what are you feeling to try and connect with yourself to understand what you're feeling? Because I think sometimes we see it so outwardly and don't actually say, oh, I'm actually feeling fear. And then very similar to you, like what, what are you actually feeling right now and then what, do you need to do about it? Um, you know, as in like, I'm feeling fear. I'm feeling fear because I'm going into hospital all the time and I don't know whether I'm going to be able to mm. achieve what I'm going to achieve. Um, that's normal to feel that fear. What do I need to do about it? So it's mm-hmm. like going through that that pattern and that process. On the other, the other side of things, it's when I've spoken to different people, like for example, um, Johnny May, he was talking about for him, it's just all rugby and that's all he focuses on how important do you think it is for footballers um and how much has it helped you to have something else to focus on other than just your sport
1: yeah I think for, for me personally it's been like I've it's been amazing like because I think in sport like firstly like in sport like mental health is like so underreported it's just embarrassing like and you know, something needs to be done at a deeper level where professional athletes can actually communicate how they feel. Yeah. Like, and it's like, and what I mean by that is the day when you as a um, an athlete can go and communicate an insecurity to a a manager or a, you know, a, a director at the club and for it to have no impact on, You on your career, you know, and what I mean by that is, you know, could that impact how you're, you know, you starting on the weekend? Could that impact a future contract? You know, if you said went to the to 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 a manager of any club and said, "Hey, boss, you know, I'm I'm really nervous and afraid about this game on the weekend." You're probably not going to play, you know, but I can tell you, hands down, ninety percent of you know the professional athlete who play week in and week out have fear going into a game so it's like so so how can you know so 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 people are you so you're suppressing how you feel you're suppressing your feelings constantly constantly and ultimately over time when you do that that's what causes you know you then need to have a release you know is it you know is it drugs is it you know gambling is it you know addictions you know where that's where it comes from because you're not actually being able to express how you feel openly within the environment that you're in. So I think like, um, yeah, I think it's um, for me, being able to, um, I've sort of used, you know, what what I, you know, the, my my the business as, you know, I've been able to really stimulate my mind and really keep it occupied when I'm away from the game. And I think some players, you know, they'll look to, as we said, like, when it's um, when you're having difficulties you know mentally when you know in terms of your thoughts how you're feeling you know the mood which is you know very common everyone f- feels you know moods and feels you know mood swings and feels various things but if you some players will look at releases and some players will have like golf as an example and 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 actually that can be a positive release where they just literally focus on that and you know go, go and release it Then you know mentally have, have occupy their minds with that or you know, other players will play you know FIFA until you know one PM in the afternoon until like two AM at night, and it's like or COD, you know, Call of Duty, which is you know great. Like it's they're they're able to you know that's they're expressing themselves, they're taking themselves away from you know the pressures of the you know the sporting world, and so for me, like I've I've really enjoyed being able to channel you know my my thoughts into you know something so productive with the business, and so you know. You know, I'm I'm managing, you know, sort of probably thirty staff within the business now, and you know, various functions and various teams, and you know, we're we're it's um it's it's taught me and it's really sort of grown my character because I've you know I've stepped into that managerial role while still I'm being a play you know being a player and a professional player, you know, where you have managers, you know, obviously, uh, you know, um, who you have to obviously look up to and you know be be guided by. So, for me, I think having that um being able to compartmentalize the two has been really good. And I think if you are a thinker, you know, some people are thinkers and some people aren't like, they're just, if you're not, you're sort of, you're lucky in a sense, because you'll just go with the flow. You know, you'll just go, you know, if it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad, you know, just keep going, keep going. Whereas like if you're a thinker and a really deep thinker, then that's where you, something like professional football can really eat you up because there are you know it's it's a ruthless ind- industry and like it's so competitive so if you think about things like too deeply like it will really eat you up and you know and spit you out and and, and I think um yeah so I think it, being a deep thinker myself like I've been able to you know really channel that into really you know positive areas and um you know it's allowed me to you know um have the freedom to to, to, to play in the game as well
0: I'm a deep thinker as well. I'm definitely a thinker person, and I have to do things to manage that. Sporting Life prides itself on being ahead of the rest by providing unrivaled analysis, opinion, debate, and statistics for the sports you love. Follow Sporting Life for the best previews, stats, and live horse racing and football score services. Visit sportinglife.com or download the free app for Apple and Android devices. What you were saying about um, football, I always find this, that we talk about mental health and there's a lot of campaigns going on, but I find that in sport, it's so conflicting because of exactly what you said. It's a manager would immediately see that as a weakness or not necessarily because they maybe have that view or it's their fault, but because of the pressures of the game that they can't risk taking a risk on that player because they've got to win the game because of that relegation promotion or that amount of money or whatever, or the owners, or about being, getting sacked. So how can that shift so that players can speak openly about mental health because like you said, everybody's feeling it anyway. So it's almost like there's all this fear and anxiety, which is 100% normal, that's being completely repressed, that everybody knows about. But as long as you don't speak about it, because if you air it, then that can be seen as, like you said, a weakness. I just think it's so conflicting. And I think unless we culturally think differently about it, how is it going to shift things?
1: Yeah, I think like that's, that's such a... It's a deeper and broader question than like, because it's like, so what, so fundamentally what we're saying is that like, the structure of the game would need to change because we're saying, what is the driver of that pressure? So it's like, you know, it's the pressure of the game which causes that that insecurity, which means people cannot be open enough or be vulnerable enough because they may risk getting hurt, or it, they may risk, um, you know, causing you know detriment to their own self. But then on the flip side, it's like, why does everyone love the game because of but the pressure? Think,
0: but then, do you think you can still have the pressure? Because there's nothing wrong with pressure as long as you can be open, right? Mm-hmm. So, can you still have the pressure? Because I think pressure is fine to an extent, yeah. as long as you can be open and talk about mental health openly because then that's how you actually cope with the pressure so actually it's beneficial for everybody because you get a better result there you go I've yeah
1: <laughs> yeah precisely but then it's like but then you need the, the powers that be to have that level of empathy mm-hmm. to manage that level of openness and not um, and not be influenced by that in their decision making so you need yeah so I, I think we're, we, you know it's progressing of course it's progressing Is that you look at 20 years ago 30, 40 years ago, of course, it's progressing. So really, like, where we're going to, like, it's people, you know, you need, uh, you know, mani- like, you need, like, in clubs, like, to have, like, a, a real deep understanding of people and of human beings. And, like, and I think that's that's where ultimately it needs to get to. It just depends on, you know, how quickly and, and what are the drivers of us getting there because, It's like, you know, do we have to, you know, lose more people, you know, to the pressures of the game um, in order for for real positive change to be made? Or can we, you know, take it upon ourselves to actually implement, you know, some, you know, uh, structures or support the various people or the teams within the game or within the sport to actually allow, you know, people to express themselves however they choose. So, yeah.
0: It made me think, um, I was going to ask you about managers that you've worked under and maybe good managers that are empathetic, but when you said lost, that we've lost in the game, it made me think of Gary Speeds because I know you played under him um, for Wales and I knew him fairly well as well um, and did some stuff with him when he was manager of Sheffield United. What was that like for you when that happened?
1: Um yeah that was it, it was it was extremely difficult and i think because where he sort of we looked at him as you know like a father figure because he brought a group of young players together and implemented his experience in the game of you know understanding what it took at a top level the you know the discipline you know the the um uh, you know the the level of attention to detail you know the analysis he brought that to, to, to Wales, he was the first one. And, and, and when he did that, like he brought together that group, which ultimately obviously had the, you know, success of, you know, the Euros and now obviously, you know, future generations, they're all experiencing that same, the benefit, like it, it, it was fundamentally down to him. And I think, so when we, you know, when obviously, you know, we, we found, found out about the news, like it was, um, it was so difficult to take because you couldn't comprehend why he would do that you know you didn't like speaking with him like he 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 gave he made you feel secure he made you feel um you know um yeah almost at peace with yourself like you never he he was just so like it it was incredible and so but then to think that you know he was in a place where that that had to happen or you know he, he felt that that was his only choice or his only option like his it's it's extremely difficult to to you know to to process and and i think it affected everyone in that group um you know in in a way where actually you know it was you know it was um yeah you know, it was a challenging time and um and obviously you know yeah it's young family at the time his boys and it was um yeah it was really difficult and you know um it's uh it just shows the the importance of you know having having people and you know being able to communicate and being able to express yourself because there was something there where he felt he couldn't express himself and so you know I think um it it definitely shaped a a big group of of that core and and you know um uh, me included
0: yeah did you ever speak to anyone or did you you know you said it's importance of communicating who do you communicate to is it your family or did you ever speak to anyone around that time or now yeah, I
1: think um yeah, I, I speak to my family, you know, we've got quite you know, relatively close family and it was it was just a difficult time and and I think um you know, who who do I personally speak with, you know, I've, I've had, you know, some really great mentors over the years and and like some great people who, you know, who have believed in me and like and I'm I'm extremely grateful for that, the likes of, you know, Dermot Drummy, who again, you know, he actually, you know, he obviously passed away. Um, you know, similar to, to Gary Speed, and he, he was he was the one who, as a ten year old um, on trial at Arsenal, he pointed me out in a group, you know, group of thirty five boys, and said, "He's the one we want." And you know, next thing I knew, I was, you know, up at Arsenal's training ground at Sh- uh, London Colney, you know, Sh- Shenley, and. Meeting with Liam Brady, meeting with Patrick Vieira, meeting with Arsene Wenger, and you know that as a ten-year-old, mm-hmm. that was down to to Dermot Drummond and because he he identified, he saw something in me, and and then obviously through the years, then of you know the next sort of you know figurehead who sort of you know helped guide me in my career was Eamon Dolan, who was the academy manager at Reading and former professional footballer. You know he was a, again another father figure for me as a as a kid at, at Reading, and he was actually a pivotal figure in me recovering from my injuries. He would always give me that belief. And, you know, whenever I was around him, he'd say, you'll be back kid. You'll be back son. You'll be back kid. And, um, unfortunately, you know, he, he, he's passed away of of cancer and, um, you know, so it's, you, you go through like, it's just, yeah, I think having those pivotal figures in, in your life, you know, really do help, but obviously losing them, it, it's, um, you know, it is really tough, but, ultimately it realizes the impact that it makes you realize the impact that they had on your life so in essence you almost want to give more for yourself and give that to other people too and so yeah I think um yeah uh, as I said uh I've been fortunate enough to have people like that in my life and you know now you know I have uh, you know obviously my family and um, you know, who, who I'm able to communicate to, you know, with. So, yeah, very fortunate and and, and grateful in that sense.
0: Yeah, and there must have been huge losses. And at the same time, you can see how much impact they had on you in, in hearing your voice. What would you, you know, you're we talking about the importance of mentorship. What would you say to any younger, like lad or lass, actually, girl or boy, um, coming through professional sport?
1: um yeah it depend, like uh, to be honest like I, I would just you know I would just say what what do you want you know I'd ask them I'd want to know what they want and if if whatever they said like I would just say you know the first thing I'd say is that you can achieve it you know and then I would say you, you want to be happy like be happy like you don't need you don't need things and that's this is the world that we live in you know I've got three kids and you know it's they, they go to school and I see what they come back with and what they say and how they communicate. And like, you can see it's, we, we live in, you know, a, uh, a consumer driven society, you know, it's very consumerism. It's like, you know, we're defined by what we have around us, you know, what objects we have, what things we can, you know, buy. And and really if you go deeper in, in life, you realize that actually, you know, you um, know, you you begin to think about things like the soul and things like the spirit and things like you know the you know um faith you know it's it's it goes deeper than anything material that we have and so I would you know make sure that whatever they're searching for whatever they want they realize it's already within them and I think that would be the biggest you know thing that I would want to you know get across and communicate and I think um when you realise that as a being, you, you you know, you, 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 become limitless. Like you, you, you know, you, nothing, you know, nothing can hold you back because you already have everything that you need. Um, so, yeah.
0: Yeah. I think everything shifts when you don't put it into something that's material. And what would you say to anyone struggling out there at the moment? What things have helped you in the past?
1: I would say... Uh, you know I, I think it's obviously you have to you know you have to be able to communicate to to, to how you're feeling but sometimes like you're not always going to have that because like we said like in sport you can't you, most often you can't communicate with your manager you might you might not even be able to communicate with your peers because you know they they might you know, you the fear of, you know, losing them alongside you. Like there's so many different dynamics and that's just within sport, let alone in, you know, in office environments, work environments, you know, uh, whatever it is. And so family environment. So uh, I think the biggest thing like you, that I would say to anyone is like just, you know, understanding yourself and you, you have to understand like why and why you're feeling and thinking certain ways. And I think we get we get taught early on, you know growing up and the information that you know we we get given you know in society in this day and age it's almost like we get taught that we're in like a feedback loop so whatever we experience we're taught we must feel right so okay like someone calls you a name okay I'm unhappy why did they call me that name yeah, that's not nice, like then it's not nice. So it's not nice, so I'm, I'm gonna feel unhappy. So this feedback loop is like really detrimental to how you feel and how you think. And I think what you wanna try and do is like try and break, you know, you have to break that because you have to realize that nothing externally can truly impact you internally. And what I mean by that is that you ultimately become, you know, the master of how you feel because of how you think so it's like that i think is is what I if that can be taught and really felt then you realize that when you wake up today regardless of how you how where you are what you're doing anything external in your life you can decide how you're actually going to feel and i think that is really when you can empower yourself and really find solace and you know um uh you know find yourself essentially and i think this is when you you know when you look at you know you go back in history and you read about you know like the 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 beings that had you know real you know aura or times of like you know real um uh you know real happiness like i think that was the core philosophy and i think because of the you know the world we live in today, which is phenomenal because of the technological innovation and the access to information, et cetera, we have, it's made us really like look outside of ourselves at every single opportunity. And actually what that has meant is that we've lost who we are. And so I think like bridging like you know, bridging that gap and pulling that gap back and you know connecting your body with your mind and your soul and your, you know, how you feel, I think is the, is the key to, 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 you know, feeling.
0: Yeah. It's like constant distraction. We've almost become more unhappy because it's just sensory overload all the time and, and constant wants and needs. What, how did you get to that stage then? Do you, do you think, are you at that stage where you can just go this is I'm in control of how I feel and anything that comes in, you, you, aren't affected by it like what's been the process for you
1: no I think like you're always going to be affected by anything like around you like no one's like living like the Buddha out here like that that's a fact but what you can look at is like your your fractionary period so how long are you in that state right so it's like someone cuts you up on you know the, the motorway uh, you, you know you're, you're angry you're annoyed like certain people will take that anger and that annoyance you know that. with them for the rest of the day yeah. whereas you know what I would say is like you know I'll be out of that within you know half a second it's like oh yeah okay cool you know they must be in a rush you know, they, must be, they, they could they could be emergency but like, actually no like please go on like no but like, you know so it's like shifting that mentality so yeah I would say that is yeah that's that's what I'm, you know sort of that's what I try and you know do anyway
0: yeah thinking outside of yourself I think that's a really good point I think we're often like what the and then we're not we're not seeing what somebody else might be going through or what what that circumstance is um it's been absolutely brilliant speaking to you thank you so much
1: no absolute pleasure thank you so much for having me on and uh yeah hope to catch up with you again soon
0: yeah thank you and thank you all for listening and that's it for season two. If you've just discovered us, where have you been? There's loads of episodes to catch up on. If you like football, there's Adam Lallana, Eric Dyer, Ben Foster, Peter Cech and loads from other sports, including rugby star Chris Robshaw, Australia cricket head coach Justin Langer, tennis star Jordan Wiley and just tons, tons more. A massive thank you to SportingLife.com as well, who've supported us for season two. And we really appreciate your feedback as we look ahead to season three. We'd love for you to tell us what you've enjoyed. Was there anything that particularly struck you or anything that you'd like to get in touch about? Keep spreading the word about My Sporting Mind. It really does mean a lot. And if you are struggling, remember there are people who understand and want to help charities such as mind the samaritans and sport in mind are just a phone call or email away you can also text shout to 85258 if you don't want to talk on the phone remember there is always somebody you can reach out to thank you so much again take care and we look forward to speaking soon